Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome everyone to the Writer Club Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. And if you're sitting there thinking, Brandon must have a cold because his voice sounds a little different, that's because you're actually listening to David Hellman. That's right, I'm filling in for Brandon Laurie, our normal host and fearless leader here at the Writer's Block. He's out this week, and much like his namesake, Brandon Cooks, the situation where you always want him to be here, but you're also kind of deep enough on the roster to survive a week. Uh, that's because I'm joined by two incredible co-hosts in Brandon Clements and Chris Halling, and we're still basking in the glow of yet another dominant win by the Cowboys, this time a 30-10 to 10 victory over the New York Jets. So, Chris, you weren't here last week to break down the big win over the Giants. So give me your thoughts on the Cowboys being 2-0 and and how they got here. Uh, they got here from being the best defense in the NFL. Dan Quinn's led group is playing phenomenal. It's absolutely insane. They're, they're winning 70-10 to 10 through two games. That's, that's just dominance. That's not necessarily just winning and looking good. Like They're looking like they're one of the top teams in the college football country right now, and they're just playing smaller programs. That's how it feels right now. You know, two games, they have 10 sacks. Uh, seven, seven, seven takeaways. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. And the offense is looking really good too. Mike McCarthy's calling good sound plays. It seems like everyone's in rhythm. We haven't really had like a glaring weakness yet. I feel like, and you know, I'm not trying to jinx us. Hopefully that doesn't change, but it's really been smooth sailing so far. And I don't know what much else you could ask for as a Cowboys fan. Yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great week. I, you missed it last week. We got to sit here in all of our glory, you know, talking about this, you know, that that 40 to nothing. And it was, I'm telling you, we were just having so much fun. And actually, I was just on a great a great friend of mine. We talked about it last week, Boy Green. Uh, Boy Green's one of the guys, one of the best uh, best in the business for covering the New York Jets. And I, I had the, uh, the honor of jumping on with him uh, Friday morning uh, this past week. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of flack. I got some. I got people sliding in my DMs talking smack because uh, I predicted a 31 to 17 Cowboys victory. I was off by one by the you know the total score there for the Cowboys. I guess I was not. Uh, I guess I gave the Jets more credit than I should have because they couldn't even get more than 10 on the board. So, you know, it was uh, it to me. It was it was a it was a great week. You know, obviously we saw some injuries. You know, you know, obviously Brandon Cooks. We we you know I know Hallman mentioned it at the top. It's never good when a brand is not playing, but. Uh, we luckily we have a kicker named Brandon who uh, played pretty well. Yeah, I think it's even crazier too. You know, just pointing out what you said, we've done this without Tyler Smith, Donovan Wilson, and without Brandon Cooks for this past game. This this team isn't even fully healthy. You're missing key starters, and it's not even been close. So this team is so deep, so talented. I think they have the best roster on paper in the NFL, top to bottom. And it's time to prove it this year and finally put those those playoff drought narratives to rest. Yeah, you make a great point, Chris, uh, about the guys that they've been missing. And, um, you know, Brandon Cooks in the offseason, that's a guy that they brought in because they needed that wide receiver help. They needed a guy who was going to be able to be that burner type, take the top off of defense. 
now they come in against this this Jets defense that just a week ago made Josh Allen look like a terrible quarterback. They don't have Cooks. They don't have Tyler Smith. Uh, I mean, Chuma Edoga, who was filling in at left guard, he didn't even play the second half. Undrafted rookie TJ Bass, who I know we're all high on here, he came in. Um, and also, I mean, we talk about this defense and how good they've been, and they don't even have their enforcer yet in Donovan Wilson. He's like that guy that, I mean, he just flies down there. He lays the lumber. And you're talking about all these all these sacks, pressures, the forced fumbles, interceptions. It's only going to get better when when once Wilson gets back. So I, I'm I'm real excited. Does it take anything away from the win for you guys that it wasn't against Aaron Rodgers? Because I know that was kind of something that lurked there in in the Cowboys Twitter sphere was, man, I wish we could have done this against Rodgers. Could have gotten that monkey off our back, but. I mean, a 30 to 10 win still feels good. Does it cheapen the experience for you, Brandon, at any point? No, not at all. I mean, it, you know what? A win in the NFL is a win in the NFL. And, you know, even even with Aaron Rodgers being out, yeah, that that kind of stunk. Like, obviously, you, you know, that was that's the Cowboys kryptonite for all these years. Like, I, I you know, as a player, Aaron Rodgers has been – he's going to be a hall, future Hall of Famer, obviously, as soon as he's – you know, as soon as his time's up and he, you know, runs its course for five years. He's just that good of a player. And, and, you know, I, I just, I still remember watching one game. I think it was in the playoffs where it was a miraculous throw to Jared cook on the sideline against the Cowboys. And I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like I thought this game was wrapped up until Aaron Rodgers pulled an Aaron Rodgers out of his hat and just, you know, beat us. So, you know, the, the tough thing is, you know, unfortunately his Achilles obviously didn't hold up. That's, you know, that's an unfortunate situation. And, and, uh, you know, for Cowboys fans, you know, it, it is a, it is a little bit of a tough pill to swallow because, who I would have loved to uh, beat Aaron Rodgers with the, you know, as the quarterback of the jets 30 to 10, but you know what the New York jets, they, they are a game team. You know, I, I'm not as high on, on, on Zach Wilson. You know, that's, you know, that's a, obviously it's a huge drop off from a future hall of famer to a guy who got benched and he's only been in the league for a couple of years. So, but they have players, they have Brees hall, for example, they have uh, Dalvin cook. So that one, two punch with the jets, that's a, that's a pretty formidable duel. Uh, duel and then uh, Garrett Wilson obviously one of the best young players young receivers in the game one of the best young players in the entire game and then obviously on the other side of the ball they got Quinn Williams uh, they got Reed they got Sauce Gardner uh, they got some guys over there I mean they, they I think I think the way that things are going to work for them is I think if they run the ball and they play good defense I think they're they're, they're going to be close they're going to be right around a double digit team uh, win team this year but you know back to the Cowboys it was just it was it was a complete victory I know some Cowboy fans, I did see it on the Twitter, Twitter sphere or X sphere or whatever you want to call it these days, uh, where they were criticizing the conservative uh, play calling that the Cowboys uh, had towards the end. And here's the thing, you know what, at that point, it, you know, I'm usually one of those dudes where I'm like, pedal to the metal, let's just run, let's, let's, just, let's just like run up the score. Like McCarthy, you know what, like he knew the game was in hand at that point. Like his defense, you know, the defense obviously just did what they did, what they always do. So for me, I wasn't that upset about the conservative play calls and and, and everything like that. Because you know what, we still put points on the board. We'll, we'll get to Brandon Aubrey a little bit later, I'm sure. Because uh, he had, uh, he had, he, he, he was uh, responsible for a, a lot of points on the board for, for the boys. So um, I just got to get your guys' thoughts on that conservative uh, that that where people were ticked off about the conservative calls, at, you know, towards the end of the game. Are you guys on the on the one side where you wanted to keep the the foot on the gas, or were you okay with uh, with the conservative calls? I'll go to you, Chris, on that. Yeah, so I actually tweeted about this, or I xed it. I guess that's what we're calling X'd. it now. I um I said, listen, I'm also like that too. It's like, oh, we got to score, we got to score. 
And if we had been playing Aaron Rodgers, that probably would have been the case. We probably would have needed a touchdown, like each possession and keep up with that. However, we were in a situation there where the defense clearly was controlling the game and Zach Wilson was having a tough time. The Jets could barely move the ball. And and really the whole game, we locked them up outside of the one, you know, really, really lucky, you know, kind of break that they had with Garrett Wilson um, getting open in, in coverage. And what the worst thing the Cowboys could have done was shoot themselves in the foot and get a little bit too flashy, too creative and and make a dumb mistake that would have completely changed changed the momentum of the game. So I'm totally fine with the with uh, being conservative near the um, near the goal line. And honestly, I don't know. It kind of just makes me think about the whole Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy thing. And, you know, I'm not trying to throw any shade at Kellen Moore. He's a great guy. And, and, and you know, he's a long time cowboy. But right now he's. I feel like his play, his play calling style when he was a cowboy would have been to keep, you know, keep passing near the red zone, keep passing, keep passing. And Mike McCarthy is just like, hey, let's chill. Let's just let the defense carry us. Let's let the defense take over. And Mike McCarthy's 2-0 and as a play caller, and Kellen Moore is 0-2 right now as a play caller with a very talented roster in Los Angeles. But, you know, enough about that. The whole Aaron Rodgers conversation, and if it makes me feel, you know, like, like, like less excited because it was against Zach Wilson. I guess in terms of a narrative, it kind of sucks that like people are always going to be like, oh, it was against Zach Wilson. But at the end of the day, Zach Wilson beat this Jets team uh, last week. I mean, uh, he uh, beat this Bills team last week. And their yeah, he defense... beat the Jets team this week. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did. So you're not he wrong. Did. Yeah, exactly. And and their defense is incredible. And the way that Dak moved the ball against that defense was was really impressive. The way CD looked against two great corners. I mean, it was just a great all-around display. And it would have been nice to kind of beat Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, it's just a regular season game. It's it's an out-of-conference game. If it had been in the playoffs, the way we, you know, sent Tom Brady packing into retirement, that would have been really nice. And that would have been, you know, real like that would have been really gratifying. But. It just a regular season game. It's okay. It's okay that we didn't uh, play Aaron Rodgers. I'm just happy that we're two and zero and uh, we're moving on and a winning record and a and a and a record that doesn't have any losses on it. So that's the biggest takeaway for sure. Yeah, being two and zero, not much to complain about there. Chris, you almost took the words right out of my mouth on the play mm-hmm. calling thing too. Is like this is you know back in the off season when Mike McCarthy had that that one quote that like everybody lost their minds about on. I think it was still Twitter back at that point. It hadn't turned into X just yet, but where, where he said something like, you know, Kellen is just trying to score, you know, a hundred points a game. Uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to, to win. I'm just trying to give our defense a break. And everyone lost their mind thinking he's just going to like establish the run over and over. That's what he was talking about in this game though. Like you have the, you have the game in hand, like you don't need to be throwing it all over the field. We saw that one play where, where Dak kind of like double pumped and then threw to CeeDee Lamb very nearly turned into what would have been a sure pick six for sauce Gardner, And, and that, at that point that if he had gotten a pick six, that would have given the jets the lead. So, you know, you, you don't want to get into a point where you're just, you're throwing it just to throw it to score points, you know, run up the scoreboard. Um, and, and then you end up, you know, having a play where something goes wrong, whether it's a, a bad pass or just a great play by the defense. And now you're, now you're stuck here and you're, you're dealing with tragedy and you're dealing with calamity. Um, it also kind of helps when you have a good run game and the Cowboys had a good run game in this game, um, which brings us to our next point. The news that came out uh, Monday is uh, Ronald Jones, the running back who um, had been suspended for the first two weeks. He came off of his suspension effective Monday. And then shortly thereafter, the Cowboys made the decision to release him. Obviously 
he missed some time in preseason. They didn't get a whole lot of look at what he was able to do. Kind of got lost in the shuffle at running back. And now it seems he's off the team, though there is some speculation he might be brought back to the practice squad. So I'll, I'll start with Chris. What are your thoughts on this decision with Ronald Jones, having not really seen a whole lot of him, but also having been able to see Tony Pollard finally in that, that running back one role and some of the other guys there? I mean, it stinks for Ronald Jones because he didn't really get like a fair shot to show what he could do during the regular season. But at the same time, I think Rico Dowdle really showed his explosiveness and showed the burst that he had and even the power that he brings running through tackles. So I think that it it made sense. Honestly, when we signed Ronald Jones, I never viewed him as a guy who's going to make a big impact in the regular season anyway. I really didn't. And, you know, it's not too much of a surprise to me. I think it makes sense from 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 just a depth chart perspective. Um, I'm glad that the Cowboys can just, you know, just run with uh, Tony Pollard. I like what I see from him. It seems like they're still not even letting him be the full time bell cow back. They're really rotating guys in. And, you know, I don't hate it because it's a guy who you want to keep fresh for later in the season. And if you can get away with not giving him all these carries now, then that's fine. I think he's very capable of it. And that's a narrative that I hate seeing on Twitter. It's like, oh. Tony Pollard can't do it. He can't do it. No, he can. There's no reason to think he can't do it. We're just being smart about it and just being a smart coaching staff. Um, but I'm excited to see uh, more of Deuce Vaughn, honestly, because he even showed in a couple plays against the Jets. He showed his explosiveness and showed his speed and uh, his use in the receiving game. So I don't think it really is a big negative impact to not have Ronald Jones there. And, you know, I wish him the best wherever he goes. And if he comes back on the practice squad, then awesome. You know, we can always elevate him if we need to. But, yeah, I think it makes sense considering how uh, the other running backs have been playing. Yeah, I mean, Ronald Jones, I mean, I figured once this PED suspension thing was going to happen, I figured his his days were numbered, especially with how the how the running backs have played thus far. And I will say this. I mean, uh, I got to I got to say, Chris, I mean, Tony got Tony Power got 25 touch uh, 25 carries. I mean. It wasn't a productive 25 carries. He averaged just under uh, three yards a carry. He had 72 yards on the on the ground. So I don't. I look at that kind of like whatever. I mean, it's the Jets. The Jets defense is really good. Uh, Quinton Williams is a beast in the middle. So for me, I, I'm not. You know, I, I I'm sure Cowboys fans didn't like that stat line when they saw it, but um, I I did like that he caught seven passes. Uh, you know, for you know, uh, you know, for 37 yards. Not a big number, but still, he got a lot of. You know, he got he had 32 touches in, in the game. So he you know it wasn't all productive touches, but he, he cleared a hundred yards total offense. So that was, you know, good for him on that. But the, the guy that I, I I'm very surprised with, and, and it's Rico Dottle. I mean, you know, everybody knows me. I was a Malik Davis guy. That was my Malik Davis truther for, you know, the entire off season. And I'll be honest, I, I, I kind of put Rico Dottle to the side until I saw what he was doing in the preseason. I'm like, man, he, this kid, you know what? He's had some bad luck with injuries and whatnot. But the kid's got juice, and he showed it. I mean, sure, he had he only had 26 yards, but every time he touched the ball, he 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 you know he was going forward. He, I think he's going to be our Zeke Elliott in this offense this year. That's I think for, through two games, I think you're going to see him be our hammer. I think he he just goes forward. He doesn't get pushed back like he and he's you know he he's he's a bigger he's a bigger back, so he's he's solid. So for me, like Rico Dottle is definitely going to be our change of pace back. So don't be surprised, you know, for fantasy purposes, if you're a fantasy football fan out there, you know, there, this this could turn into more of a, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, 50-50 timeshare, but, you know, Rico Rico's going to get some touches, some valuable touches this year. And he's, you know, he's he's proven to be really good at that. And then Deuce Vaughn, he flashed a little bit. Like he, 
you know, he did his thing in the, in the ground game. You know, he's, he's, he's fun to watch. We all know that. And the guy that I do want to see more of, whether it's run game, pass game, just get the ball in this kid's hands is Cavante Terrapin. Like every time he touches the ball, I'm excited because, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but you know, he, he's got some juice, you know, I, you know, I'm glad that they're incorporating him into the offense, getting him a handful. You know, I think he had, he had two carries and then, you know, that, I mean, I mean, yeah, he had two carries, one, one catch. So he, you know, he had, he had a couple touches, a few touches on the day. So, you know, I wish Ronald Jones the best. And, and to your guys point, if he can land back on the practice squad and, and, and be, you know, be our, I guess our fifth running back because uh, Hunter Lepke is listed as uh he's still listed as a running back, even though he, you know, on the roster, even though he's a, a fullback tight end type player. But I think having a guy like that, it would be good on the practice squad, but that's just, seeing him just get cut as quickly as he did, that just tells you how the Cowboys feel about, I'll just say the three-headed monster plus Hunter Lepke. I think they're very comfortable with what they have. And I think I think they're going to roll with these guys barring any injuries uh, all season. I think they're going to do well with it. Yeah, speaking of the whole fantasy football thing, I started Jake Ferguson as my tight end because I figured that, you know, no Brandon Cooks, I figured it'd be good. And he played all right. I mean, like he got me a touchdown, but whenever they scored on the opening drive, I was so excited. I was like, oh, awesome like he's in for a big game caught that touchdown he had like two catches for two yards the rest of the game like he didn't he didn't do anything the rest of the game but at least at least he got a touchdown and that carries you in fantasy so I'm a happy guy yeah and and, uh, you know also stepping a little bit away from the fantasy side too is Jake Ferguson I mean he rebounded from last week he had those two tough drops and um, you know he didn't get as much attention in the passing game this week as he did last week but um, you know you talk about the fact that he was supposed to ascend to that tight end one role and, and it wasn't necessarily the best start for him. Um, although he did do most of his work, both games in the blocking game and the dude is just tough and, and you really admire the, 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 the tenacity and then also just the growth from a, from the fundamental standpoint as a blocker that he's shown uh, and to then also pair it with, you know, having no drops. The only time that it was incomplete when they threw it to him was that one kind of in the back of the end zone where Dak kind of, uh, sailed it a little bit too much. Um, could have been a second touchdown. I'm sure Chris was upset about that I was one. Upset, yeah. <laughs> I was upset, but it's okay. But uh, I mean, overall, I, w- I was happy with with Jake Ferguson, and uh, I'm I'm willing to bet that uh, Chris Holling probably does not have him in in the top five of his power rankings, which we're uh, going to get to for our our top five players from this week. Um, before we get into that, though, this is just a reminder to our listeners that. It's always a great day to leave us a five-star rating on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you keep coming back for more, just like the Cowboys defense does with all those sacks and interceptions. Um, so having said all that, let's get into our power rankings from this week. And uh, like, we, like we did last week, like we did on the show last year, um, these aren't necessarily you know just power ranking the total players because then it would be, you know, Zach Martin would be number one every single week. Um, but more so just looking at this particular game against the Jets, who stood out the most, who our, our best players were, starting with uh, number five on our list. Brandon, let's start with you. All right. So I'm, I'm actually going, you, you mentioned Zach Martin. So I, I am going to go to the offensive line here this week. So probably a curveball. I don't know if you guys are going to have this particular player on, the, uh, on your five this week. So I'm okay if I'm alone in this. But I got to go with Tyler Biotish. Like Tyler Biotish. And this is kind of a accumulation of what he's done so far in the, you know, the first two weeks, you know, in, in week one, Tony Pollard was inside, I think the inside the five yard line. He was pretty close to the end zone, if I remember correctly. 
And uh, unfortunately, the ball came out. And hey, there's uh, there's good old TB Tyler Bayadish, you know, doing his thing. Johnny on the spot recovers the ball and you know and, and salvages that drive without getting a turnover. And then in week two this past week, CD Lamb. I'm not going to give him too much flack for that. He literally was like breaking like tackles. They they had the whole jet secondary like swarming him. So that ball just that ball just pinballed out, you know, pin you know kind of pinballed around and 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 look at here he comes. Here comes uh, big Tyler Tyler B. You know, sliding down and and preserving a drive because it was like right. I think it was close to the 30 yard line or it was it was on it was on our side of the field. So it would have been instant great field position for the Zach Wilson and the Jets offense. So Tyler did a great mm-hmm. job getting getting in there now. The thing I liked about that play, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, Brian Baldinger, Baldy from uh, NFL Network, he, you know, he was talking about the video, and, and I saw it on uh, X uh, th- this morning. And essentially, what he said was that kind of effort from Tyler Biotis is game ball kind of stuff. That's what he said. And I, I take Brian Brian Baldinger's, you know, I I, I respect what he does. I, I love the stuff he puts on social media. And that when I saw game ball kind of stuff, I had to put him in my top five. I mean, and, and just to just to throw some nuggets at you as well. So mo so he had the most pass protection snaps in week two. And guess what? He only allowed two pressures. So that, you know, that's pretty good against a guy uh, named Quinny Williams uh, with the, you know, with the with the Jets uh, interior of defensive line. So for me, a guy like that where he hustles 30 yards downfield, he's never stops, that motor's always going. And I bet you CD Lamb said, and you know, obviously, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll hear something about it later. But I bet you he was on the sideline after that and saying, hey, you know, thanks for bailing me out there. I'm sure Tony Power did it the week the week before. Like these guys, they're not touching the ball a lot. I mean, except for, you know, I mean, he's a center, so he's handling the ball every time, you know, every play. But for a guy like that where, you know, that's not really his job to be running and, and you know, doing things, you know, besides snapping the ball to the quarterback and protecting and, and blocking, this dude, this dude is an energy guy. He's also in a contract year. So Cowboys, Jerry Jones, front office. Let's get a deal done. We got to keep our long-term center here. I love Tyler Biotish, and he is my number five this week. Chris, what about your number five? Yeah, so I actually really, really like that pick. I will say he's not in my top five, but that's a really cool kind of creative out-of-the-box pick. I like that because, I mean, it's I mean, it's honestly pretty warranted. That that fumble recovery was huge, and it it's definitely a momentum saver. And, and, it, and it's a good note to point out that he isn't – that he is uh, due for a uh, contract extension pretty soon. And it's kind of crazy to think about how many players the Cowboys are going to have to shovel money out to soon. So my number five pick is actually, he's uh, pretty similar to you, Brandon, because he has the same name as you. So (laughs) I have to say Brandon Aubrey. Yeah. 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 Brandon Aubrey. um, Well, I mean, it has to be him because Brandon cooks wasn't playing. So Brandon Aubrey is going to be my number five pick. Uh, He, he honestly may be a little higher on your guys' lists, but I have him at number five because, I mean, at the end of the day, he he stepped up and he delivered. I mean, we weren't the most efficient in the red zone for obvious, you know, like different reasons. And and uh, he kept putting points on the board. I mean, he hit five field goals. The most impressive one was the 55-yarder. He just drilled. There, there was never any doubt about it. And I think it's huge for his confidence heading forward to kick like that. And honestly, I think that that's one of the positives about the conservative play calling that we had is that we got to see more of Brandon Aubrey because we didn't really get to see him enough in preseason. I feel like he didn't really get to get his reps in and to get his reps in, in a game like that, I think it's going to be huge for the rest of the season. And, you know, I've been calling for Robbie gold and um, I've been calling for Mason Crosby and I've been calling for these veteran kickers mostly just because I've just been scared about 
what could happen in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, if Brandon Aubrey is going five for five, then I can't really, I can't really make an argument to move on from him. So I hope he keeps playing that way. And, uh, and if he keeps doing stuff like that, then I'll definitely uh, keep having him on this list. All right. I gotta, I gotta jump in here because uh, you know, as we were talking, we know the rules of this game here. So uh, I, you know, I have Brandon Aubrey, not at one, even though, you know, I am B one. So he can't be at one uh, in this case, but uh, he, he is number four on mine. I, it was tough because the, the other three, I just had to slide them up just a little bit ahead of him. But Brandon Aubrey, you, you brought up some great points. That 55-yarder, that was a no-doubter off the off the leg. And that's not a that, – I don't care who you are. That's a, that's a tough kick. I don't, I don't care about the conditions at, at, you know, at Cowboy Stadium. You know, I don't care about that. He banged it in. He, you know, every kick that he had in this, in this past game, it, right, off the, right off the boot, I'm like, yep. This, this guy reminded me of another Notre Dame, uh, former Notre Dame grad and uh, actual Notre Dame football player, uh, Dan Bailey. And I used to call Dan Bailey when he was, when he was peak Dan Bailey, easy money. And that every, cause every time he kicked the ball in his prime, you're like, all right, he's going to make it. I know we're not there yet, but maybe the, you know, maybe the, the golden domers, maybe we hit some gold with another Notre Dame guy who played soccer at Notre Dame, a former first round pick of the, uh, uh, of the MLS, I forget, you know, you, you don't talk about MLS a lot, but he was a first round pick there. And you know what? He's, you know, he's seven for seven on kicks this year. The only, the only miss he had was that first extra point. You know, I think that was more nerves. I feel like that's, you know, I thought that was, you know, one of those situations where the conditions weren't great. You know, it was his first, first professional kick. Obviously after that first kick, Twitter was going crazy. I don't know. I didn't see, I didn't see uh, Chris's tweets about it. I I was, I was in La La Land watching the game, but I'm sure I'm sure he was thinking Robbie Gold, Robbie Gold, <laughs> and then and then after that, you know he you know he 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 he's he's rolling like he hasn't missed a kick since, and it's been those have been no doubters every kick that he's had, and you make a great point, Chris, where the conservative approach that, that a lot of people maybe didn't like so much, I liked it for this particular reason, he had a lot of practice, he 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 kicked five field goals, made an extra you know made you know made the extra point like. This dude is responsible for half the points on that 30, that 30 point ledger. So of course I had to put him in my top five. Plus he has a great first name. And, and uh, I think this puts all the, uh, the, the, you know, maybe not the haters, but maybe a little bit of those doubters like Chris was for a while. We don't need Robbie gold. We don't need Mason Crosby. We don't need any of these guys. Brandon Aubrey is our kicker for 2023 and hopefully beyond because so far so good boys. Yeah, and as someone else who was also a doubter through preseason and training camp and was also kept banging the drum for Robbie Gold or Mason Crosby, first of all, I just want to say Chris and I were justified for that because remember in the preseason, I mean, one, in the preseason games, uh, Brandon Aubrey did not get a whole lot of opportunity to actually kick. All we had to go off of was practice kicks, and there were most days where he was you know, missing a couple here and there. So just based off the information that we knew, there was reason to, to want to go out and get an established veteran. That being said, having seen two games with Brandon Aubrey, uh, I, I'm a believer. I'm ready to be excited about him. He was number five on my list, just like Chris. Um, I, I respect having him up at number four. The guy was good. And I mean, think about two years ago, he wasn't even playing the sport. And now here he is on Sundays for America's team going out there and drilling a 55 yarder like it's nothing and that's just 
that that blows my mind that, that he's been able to adjust this quickly. Um, and Brandon, to your point too, about the missed extra point last week, I think uh, earlier in the week, Mike McCarthy was talking about it in one of his press conferences. And he said something like, uh, you know, some of it was nerves, but also Brandon Aubrey, like he, he kind of ran out there too quick. He got out there before the rest of the kick team had actually gotten lined up and set. So he was, his whole process was kind of thrown off there. Um, and it, it just kind of, they, they talked about it with him and said, just take your time, go out there, you know, get set up and do your thing. And then from there on, he's been money. So um, very, very excited about Aubrey. Definitely worthy of, of getting into our, our top fives for, for this week. But uh, uh, Brandon, we didn't get to hear what your number five was. Oh, no, we did. Tyler Biotis. Oh, we did. My yeah, bad. We did. <laughs> hey, no, I know, I know. It's it's tough to it's tough to remember a, a center, you know, on yeah. the on the on any team. Well, and, and let alone Dallas so much Cowboys. Time, so, okay. Deservedly so. Talking about Brandon Aubrey too. I will but, say, yeah. I will say that with the kicker position, I'm feeling good right now. But if Brandon Aubrey turns or uh, uh, if uh, Brandon Aubrey turns around and and goes like 0 for three the next game, I'm gonna be sitting here like, oh, we need Robbie Gold. Like kicker's <laughs> the position where if you're not an established, consistent guy like Dan Bailey was for the Cowboys or like a Justin Tucker or one of those veterans who really know, like, you know, that, you know, maybe he misses one every now and then, but he's a reliable guy. Brandon Aubrey doesn't have enough street cred yet to be able to um, really be comfortable with him for the foreseeable future. So he needs to keep it up before I'm completely off the Robbie gold train. I'll make one last point. Cause I know we, we can't talk kickers the entire show, but really quick, I want to just follow up what Hallman was saying about like his, you know, the operation on that first kick against the giants. That is, that is so true because I look at kickers and I, especially kickers where it's to me, it's like a good golfer. He has his, you know, there's guys that'll go up and like, they'll kind of just, you know, get themselves set. They'll, they'll wiggle the club a few times just to get that feeling ready to roll. So I, so Hallman, that's a heck of a point with, with, with Aubrey, just let, just slow down, do you, whatever your routine is, whatever, whatever Chris Bonio, you know, taught you, you know, whatever works for you, obviously they figured it out because he hasn't missed a kick since that that's, I think that's great advice. And I think Hallman, that's a good observation and a great point. Support for this podcast comes from smart water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Thank you very much. I think all of my points are great points, but I appreciate the credit there. Um, so now that I've corrected myself, Brandon, we know you're five and you're four. So Chris, who is your number four? Yeah, my number four is uh, Trayvon Diggs in the secondary. I know that he, you know, got beat one time by uh, Garrett Wilson and uh, Malik Cooker kind of bailed him out. But outside of that, he had an amazing game. He was targeted five times. He allowed zero catches. He had an interception, two forced incompletions. He allowed a 0.0 passer rating in that game. And it's crazy stat if you look through the first two games the passer rating when Trayvon Diggs has been targeted is 1.0 just to put that into perspective if a quarterback just threw the ball into the dirt every single play throughout the game it would still be a 39.6 rating so so you're better off just throwing it in the dirt than throwing it towards Trayvon Diggs that's how good he's been and I mean it didn't matter who was on him he was locking down every receiver against Garrett Wilson he was targeted three times uh 
and he allowed zero catches, got an interception. Uh, versus Michael Carter, the running back, he was targeted once, zero catches allowed. Versus Alan Lazard, one target, zero catches allowed. Like it, it, he was completely shut down, regardless of who he was covering. And you know, call me a homer bias, but I've been waiting like for a solid argument to why he's not the best cornerback in the NFL because he seriously. He has the best takeaway ability in the NFL. He's the best ball hawk. That's that's a gimme. That's an obvious. But he's really turned into the shutdown cornerback, and he's really taking wide receiver ones out of the game. And he's young. He's entering his his fourth season now, correct? And and um, it's just insane how well he's developing. And you know, even last year he was talked about like, oh, you know, he's great in coverage, but he can't really tackle. Last week we saw him force a fumble on on Saquon Barkley, where he just kind of laid him out. And then, and then later um, in the game, he calls another fumble with a strip. So Trayvon Diggs is just improving every single week. And he's showing why, why really, I think the Cowboys got steel in their contract for him to not have to reset the market for, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the NFL. I'm so happy he's a Cowboy. And, and I really think that he can, he's one of those players, one of those rare players on defense. And we're going to get to the other one who can actually kind of win you a game just because of the plays he can make. He can completely change the momentum. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm so happy he's a cowboy and it's been a long time since I've been this confident in a cornerback wearing a star. So I'll, I'll say this, dude, uh, I think we stole Trayvon Diggs in the second round. We drafted him, to be honest with you. You know, I have a lot of friends that one of my good friends is a huge Bama fan and you know, and he's, he's, he's a giants fan as well. And when the Cowboys got stole him in the second round, he was not pleased. He was like, "Yeah, you guys just got a stud." Like, and I, I knew how good he was because Alabama corners are usually pretty good in the league. I mean, a guy named you know gets coached up by Nick Saban. We've all heard the stories about you know he was a receiver going into Alabama. Saban said, "I want to play. I want I want to play you a corner." Obviously, that worked out. Nick knows what he's doing. He's won a few games uh, at Alabama, so yeah, I trust I, I trust uh, him. Uh, whatever he says. If he tells you to jump, you just jump. You know, if it's football, he knows it. So, yeah, I didn't have Trayvon Diggs on my list, but uh, he was he was close. Like, you know, you can only put five in here. You know, I was think I was thinking outside the box this week. He did have the pick. You know, he did look great. You, you great. You made up some great made some great points there. You know, I, he was he was honestly he was six. I had him just outside my my uh, my my number five uh, slot. So I'll I'll hand it back to you, David. Yeah, you know, to your point, yeah, anybody that gets coached up by Nick Saban, I mean. That's he's probably the second best coach in college football behind the great Dino Babers. So, uh, Brandon, I'm fact. sure you agree. Um, but, uh, yeah, Trayvon Diggs had, had another great game. Uh, it's just exciting to watch him grow. He, he also did not make my list. Um, but also like Brandon said, probably right there on the cusp of it. Uh, that's kind of the challenge with, with the Cowboys through two games is, you know, you, if you're making a top five list, there's going to be some great players from that game that just inevitably get left off. So, it's nice that we at least had a chance to, you know, to get him some some mention, even if we didn't all have him on our list. But for me at number four, kind of a similar spot where, uh, honestly, I, I thought he would have been a little bit higher, but that's just the way that it goes with how great other players played in this game is Dak Prescott. I thought he had a really good game. Uh, I mean, I thought he had a good game last week too, but obviously there were some drops. There were some, some uh, you know, just differences in how they called the game to this week, but I mean, we we all heard all week about this Jets defense and saw what they did to Josh Allen, um, and especially kind of the the irony of the narrative about like the, the turnovers, the interceptions. Everyone wants to talk about Dak Prescott from last year. Josh Allen goes out against this same defense, three interceptions, costly fumble right there at the end in the fourth quarter. One week later, 
Dak Prescott, same exact defense, and pretty much the same offense, too, because Zach Wilson played the vast majority of that game, and he just slices them up. And it's not like he was taking shots deep, but he was being smart with it. He was playing within the scheme. He was getting the ball out quick. And, you know, he was, he was hitting guys getting, they were, they were getting open credit to Mike McCarthy and his play calling. And Dak was just absolutely in a rhythm. So um, he also had that, that one scramble where he like, he looked pretty good and he just tucked it, ran and, you know, shook off a couple defenders. And um, I always get nervous when he does scramble, but you know, he, he's a big dude, he can handle it. And so I was just, I was very impressed with his game. And, and really happy to see him play that way and, and be able to get completions where there were drops last week. Yeah, I think Dude, it's about that at four. Wow. I'm <laughs> shocked. I, would, I figured he'd be a little bit higher. Chris, we're, I mean, are you, do you have him higher than uh, four? I got to ask you that. I do. I do. Yeah, I have him at three. I think he played. Uh, I think he played a tremendous game. And that was kind of my biggest worry heading into the game was is Dak going to not turn the ball over? Because this is a defense that's very good at that. This is a defense that you know sauce Gardner is up there with the best cornerback in the nfl many people would argue he's better than trayvon diggs but you know i'm not going to argue that i think trayvon's better but that's an argument for another podcast however with that said it's a great defense all around and 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 really i think the only way the jets were ever going to win that game with zach wilson at quarterback would be if we had given them the ball in short field and we had you know, shot ourselves in the foot and maybe allowed some defensive touchdowns on the Jets side. And, and, you know, Dak stepped up to the plate and he did exactly what was needed. I just think Dak looks so much more comfortable in this offense than he has in a long time. Like he looks like he's in full control. He looks like he's in command. He looks like he's, he's just, he's just locked in and he's finding his receivers. He's not forcing anything. I think what we've seen is that he's throwing the ball not as deep down the field and he's kind of letting his playmakers, you know, make those plays and he's kind of letting them kind of create their own thing. And I think that that's really the way to go when you have defense that is so good like this and Mike McCarthy preached it. Like, I'm not going to try and score a hundred every game. If it happens, cool, like awesome. But you know, I'm going to just call a good, a good, concise, efficient, you know, offense. And I think that that's shown and it's paid dividends so far back to the Josh Allen thing real quick. I think it's time that we kind of acknowledge that, Josh Allen isn't all that we're hyping him up to be. I'm sorry. I think, you know, you know, like maybe it's a hot take and I just moved up to, you know, upstate New York and that's not going to be a popular take because, you know, Buffalo is just an hour away from me. Yes, but, yes. but coming for you. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, like he had about just as many interceptions as Dak, Pre Dak Prescott last year. Dak got slaughtered for it. And meanwhile, Josh Allen got the Madden cover athlete. Like, I think that I think that we got to like I'm. Josh Allen is a very talented player. He's an incredibly gifted player, and I think he's an elite quarterback. But we got to, like, hold him accountable kind of the same way that we hold these other superstars accountable because he makes a lot of bad mistakes, and he he can lose the Bills game the same way that, you know, he, he, that he's able to win them one. Yeah, to your point, uh, last year Josh Allen had uh, one, one less interception than Dak had, but more total turnovers when you combine interceptions and fumbles lost. So – uh, and also, like you said, Josh Allen is a really talented player, but he also has been kind of prone to, to turnovers at, a, at inopportune times. That said, as confident as I am in, in Dak Prescott, and, and I've loved watching him play these last few weeks, there is part of me that is just like dreading the time that he does eventually throw an interception because it's going to happen at some point this season. And I mean, it, it almost happened with Sauce Gardner and he dropped it. And I just know that when it happens, it's going to be just insufferable on, on Twitter and people are going to be going off and going crazy about like, Oh, there he, there's the old Dak again, even if he's still playing well. And 
part of me is kind of dreading that, even though I know it won't actually affect his overall performance, his overall value. I just, I'll probably take a break from the internet when that happens. But see, what's nice about this is that if we keep his pace up, it'll happen a few weeks down the line. And then at that point, it's like, wow, he just threw his first interception. Like, that's pretty impressive, you know? So it's kind of like his uh, rookie season when he went so long without throwing an interception. It was like getting to, like, record territory, and he threw it. You know, everyone was like, oh, no, he did it. But, like, oh, it's so impressive he lasted that long without doing it. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I wonder, is it going to be – his fault when he does it or is it going to be one of those typical Dak interceptions where it hits the dude right in the hands and he just forgets how to catch hey hey, there's there's no Noah Brown this year so no I you know much love Noah Brown thank you for your service but you know great blocker uh hands not really his uh his thing I called him stone hands brown for a reason so um so I I I don't think we're gonna have too many of the uh those type of interceptions uh this year I think I think he's going to throw some and I, and I've already been on record. People are calling me crazy for this, but I'm saying single digits this year. That's just how, like I, like I know everybody says, Oh, Brandon's a very optimistic MVP Dak this year. I have a good reason for it. And, and Chris, you made a great point because he is very much under control of this offense. Like he has command of this offense. He's not forcing balls into places. I mean, he had that one play against with sauce that I thought was going to be a pick six, but for the most part, like, he looks so comfortable back there. He makes great. He's been making great decisions. And by the way, I guess I'm the biggest. I, I mean, obviously, I'm the biggest Dak lover of, of the blog and the boys family because I already anointed him almost the MVP this year. But I, Dak, for me, is at number two. That's where I have Dak this year or, or at this week. I have him at number two. And just to, you know, just to bring it back up, you know, a lot of people were talking about it this week. 13 for 13 to start the game, a career high. So 13, 13 consecutive passes to start the game. I mean, he threw, you know, 30, you know, 31 to 38, another great stat line, two touchdowns, another goose egg in the interception category. No, you know, he, he didn't, he looked great out there. I mean, he also, he, he just, you gotta remember they were slicing, he was slicing and dicing guys like sauce Gardner, who, uh, you know, a lot of people may think is the best cornerback in the league. He also was slicing up DJ Reed, you know, Jordan Whitehead was getting sliced up. Like, I don't care what anybody says that that Jets defense is pretty good especially in that secondary and Dak played a very good and very efficient performance, which is why I guess I had him a little bit higher than you guys did. So he is my number two. So Dak Prescott, great job this week. Chris, did you, you said you had Dak at three? Yes, I did. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's impressive to say that he's, um, he has tied right now the highest QBR in the NFL, which is, I mean, it's a great telltale of how in control he's been and how, and how he's really not making many mistakes. It's tied. I think it's 83.7. It's tied with Brock Purdy. So, yeah, I mean, Dak's been off to a good start. Um, and I, I will say, you guys kind of kind of gave me a little grief for having them low at four. I was really going back and forth because I was like, part of, I'm a I'm a big fan of Dak Prescott, so I was like, I want to have him higher. But at the same time, for me, the the three guys ahead of him, it was like, well, I can't have I can't have him ahead of these guys because they were just that's how good they were and and that starts with my number three guy which was cd lamb which i'm sure you're also going to say probably might have been a spot too low but i mean cd lamb had probably the best game i've ever seen him have i mean he was he was all over the place he was getting open not only was he getting open but when he wasn't able to create that separation he was still making a tough catch he had that one where he was kind of falling back and there was there was a holding on him and made the catch anyway. He had the other one where he jumped up and gets his feet taken out from underneath him. And, and it's crazy because he just like 
popped right up from that. And I know like if that happened to me, I would have, I would have been on, on bed rest for the next six months. And it's just, it's crazy watching these NFL athletes and just thinking about what they're able to do on a consistent basis. So uh, I was really, really happy with his game and he was just all over the place and, and Dak was clearly loving it. And I think it was, it was smart too mm-hmm. for Mike McCarthy to scheme up so many touches for him against this defense, because they're kind of a scheme that they're going to sit back and they're going to take away the big play and you're going to get some underneath stuff. And that's kind of where CD thrives. And you saw that one slip, the slant flat play where he got it and just took off and got, I think it was like 60 some yards of yards after the catch. That's also where he had the, uh, the, the fumble. And luckily Tyler Biotish was there to, to be Johnny on the spot and get the ball back. But th- this was like a game perfect for CD and he came out and did exactly what he should have done. Yeah, Tom, yeah. we were three. I picked three. I had him at three too. So we're we're on the same page with that man. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's hey, we're we're we're. And here's the thing: he caught 11 balls, 143 yards. You know he you know he so he had 13 targets. That's an 80 nearly 85 percent completion percentage to CD Lamb this past week. And 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 here's the other cool stat because I know you just you made some great points about CD. So I was running the numbers here. And he accounted for 56% of Dak's passing yards on the game. So that's pretty, that's a pretty good stat. So, you know, and, and I think that was one of his best games of his career. And he did it against the, again, a New York Jets team that has Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, uh, Jordan Whitehead, you know, in that secondary. So for me, like, Hallman, we're, we're in line on this one, man. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I can't say anything else about CD at this point. He's, he's, he's the receiver one. He's an elite receiver. And I am so glad that the Cowboys have him because, he looks great in 88 and, and he, and, and when Jerry Jones anointed him the next 88, that was a lot of pressure, but guess what? He's living up to that hype and I'm very happy. He's a, he's a cowboy. Yeah. So I actually had CD lamb at number two. So that's how high I had him, which actually is very interesting to me, David, because I had him number two and you have two guys there and I know one of them is probably my number one. So there's somebody who is in your top two who didn't even make my list. So I'm kind of curious. I have a feeling actually now who it probably is thinking back on all the players, but you know, I'm, but I'm intrigued to say the least, but I will say, I will say that uh, CD was phenomenal. And I think the most impressive aspect of it is that he did it without Brandon cooks and he did it without any real threat, like outside of him on the offense in the receiving you know game. I'm still waiting on Michael Gallup. It's not necessarily his fault. I feel like, you know, it's not like he hasn't done anything that's really bad per se. Like, like I feel like there's not been really any negative attention on him, but at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of ready for him to show that he's the Michael Gallup of old. And he's, you know, that guy who, who can make those crazy contested catches, but you know, maybe in this, maybe in this Mike McCarthy led offense, Dak's going to take less chances in those contested, you know, catches. So he may not be able to show it as much. Um, I think just the fact that CD, because all last year it was like CD and everyone else was like way beneath him. No one else was was uh, producing the way he was. And it kind of hurt the Cowboys offense sometimes because everyone would just focus on CD and and he wasn't able to produce the way that he's capable of. And it didn't matter this game. It didn't matter where he lined up. If he was on the outside, if he was in the slot, it didn't matter. CD was getting open. And if he wasn't getting open, he was coming up with a crazy catch. Like that one catch he had where he did a backflip and somehow still held on to the football. I mean, it was incredible concentration. And I think you're really seeing the growth of a real wide receiver one in, in the league. And I think he's, he's definitely a bona fide top 10 receiver. He's probably top seven realistically. And I think he can definitely make the jump with another stellar year this year. He's probably 
I mean, if he stays healthy and everything goes the way that we hope it does, he's probably going to have the best season of his career, which is saying a lot because he's had some really productive seasons so far. He's going to be in that top five conversation sooner rather than later. So he's another guy who the Cowboys will have to extend somewhere down the line, and and uh, he's going to cost a lot of money. So the Cowboys, the Cowboys have a lot of spending to do. You know, I'm always talking about. I feel like I'm the I'm the eager one to acquire as much talent as possible and go all in this season talking about trading for veterans and trading for impactful now players. But the Cowboys got a lot of players who they got to pay pretty soon. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. It's it's definitely a good problem to have is when you have too many guys that you want to keep and you want to pay. Chris, I I do want to give you the opportunity to guess and predict who my number two is since you said you, you thought you had an idea. I'm predicting that your number two is Demarcus Lawrence. Oh, very good. Very yeah. good. Chris. Yeah, no, he was a great player. And, and, and listen, he had an amazing impact in the run game. He was all over the field and, you know, all props. him. it really came down to like him and like him and Brandon Aubrey or him and him and Trayvon. Um, I don't know. I just couldn't do it. But Demarcus Lawrence's value is so underappreciated at this point. And I used to be more critical about him whenever he was making a huge contract and he was expected to be that sack leader on the team. He doesn't have to be that role anymore because we have Micah Parsons. We have that guy who's constantly just in the backfield, you know, coming at the quarterback. Now we can just really appreciate Demarcus Lawrence for the run stopper that he is. And he still gets pressure on the quarterback as well. It's really difficult for these opposing offensive lines to have to focus on that that and then you have this rising star in the middle with Oso Digazua just getting in the backfield and using his explosiveness I mean this talk about just just being spoiled there's so many good linemen on the team I mean at one point we were talking about trading Durant's Armstrong and Durant's Armstrong is having a good start to his season as well there's so many good defensive linemen on this team it it's it's incredible and it's it and Demarcus Lawrence is is right up there with with the second best one on the team. I can't put him above Micah, obviously, but I can't put anyone in the NFL above Micah at this point. So Demarcus Lawrence is a stud, and it's awesome to see him still contributing because he's really one of these longtime Cowboys veterans at this point. He was drafted in 2014, the same class that Zach Martin did, and they've both just been been incredibly productive and incredibly stable for the Cowboys throughout their careers. So, I it, you know you know it's completely. It's completely understandable to have him in your top five. I was debating it, and you know, I think that his value is so underappreciated because a lot of what Demarcus Lawrence does isn't necessarily even in the stat sheet. You know, like he just has those gritty plays. And I'm sorry, I'm going into all this conversation of why he should be in the top five when it's your picks. I should be letting you talk and you do <laughs> yeah, all this. You do. You but, you literally stole his like say, helmet. What are you going to say? say? <laughs> I'm about to say I stole your entire answer. So I'm sorry. I hope you have other stats yeah. to up. Hold but, on, yeah. Salman. I'm going to jump in real quick, and I'm going to steal some more thunder really yeah, quick. Go just, for just, it. Just, to, just to do it. Fun fact, plenty. you know, I, I've been following Boise State football for a long time. You know, that's why that's why I have this big thing for Callum Moore. You know, I'm a huge fan of his because he was a. I'm a lefty, as a lot of people don't know that, but I'm left-handed, and obviously Callum Moore, you know, he's a lefty, threw the ball pretty good at, in college. So like he was back when the Boise State Broncos were like really good. Yeah, I kind of rode the bandwagon a little bit for a while, and I still follow the team. But I remember watching Demarcus Lawrence play at, 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 on the Smurf turf, and I'm like, man, this guy's really good. And, and the best part, the best part about it was the Cowboys moved up in the early second round with the Commanders, our mm-hmm. our in our in division rival, and we got a guy who's been terrorizing the Commanders since he got in the league almost ten years ago. So that was just my quick nugget on 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 on, uh, on Tank Lawrence. I did not have him in my top five. Spoiler alert: I think we all know who my number one's going to be because I've already hit you know two, three, four, and five. But um, 
you know, yeah, take, take Lawrence. I can't argue that. He definitely would have been in my top 10 this week. So I have no problem with Hellman, uh, you know, putting him as high as you did. Who is your number two? I'm sorry. I don't remember. <laughs> my- I don't remember you going through that. Yeah, mine was mine's Dak. Yeah, mine's mine. mine oh, okay. Mine's I'm Dak. sorry. Yeah, I, see, yeah. See, see, like that's our way of like you know like mentioning who we who we have higher because he said that like a good 15, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, so I completely <laughs> forgot that he mentioned that. that yeah, Dak. Sense. No, I had Dak. Yeah, I had Dak it too. I I guess I'm a you know I, I mean I'm a I'm a I'm a Dak mm-hmm. lover. So Dak. I mean, like we've Dak. known that since the preseason predictions of five K yards, fifty touchdowns, <laughs> yeah. and zero. So, so if I had him, if I had him at five, and you guys would have had him lot, uh, you know, lower, you know, lower on the numbers, I would have gotten chewed out for that. One. So I got to yeah. stay to my brand here with Dak 5K. So yeah, <laughs> well, I think it's I think it is a little bit um, uh, on the nose that that the two of you didn't have Demarcus Lawrence uh, on on your list. I mean, fair. Like I'm not I'm not going to criticize it. Like I said earlier, there were so many players who showed up showed out for this game that it's hard to pick just five. But also, you know, I've been riding the train that Demarcus Lawrence is one of the most underrated edge players in the NFL for quite a few years now. For me, it really comes down to like him and Cam Jordan with the Saints. Those are two guys that never really get a whole lot of hype, but they're also, anytime you watch one of their games, some way, somehow, they are around the ball, they're making a play. And, you know, it's it's really become, you know, in full effect with Lawrence because now Michael Parsons is there. And for a while, Lawrence was the best player on this defense for better or worse. Sometimes it was because they didn't have a whole lot of talent. Sometimes it was because he was just that good. And now he's, he's just not, and that's not anything to do with him. It's not that his play has declined. It's just Micah Parsons is that good, but Lawrence had a great game against the jets. Very first play that the jets ran, he blew it up a, a run play, snuffed it out, loss of four yards, set the tone early. And by the way, talking about like pass rush, he had as many pressures with six as Micah Parsons in that game. So, I mean, credit where it's due, like Micah Parsons is insane and he was able to turn him into sacks, but it's just, as far as pressures go, like Lawrence was, you know, just going right there with him, keeping the pace with him. He was in Zach Wilson's face all day long. And for me, being able to see that out of him in a game like that, especially because I think last week against the Giants, you know, Lawrence has this whole reputation of being a giant killer. Some of his best games are against the Giants. And for one reason or another, he wasn't able to have as much of an impact, but to then kind of turn it on and kind of bounce back and, uh, you know, have just a monster game for me. I was like, he he played like vintage DeMarcus Lawrence. He played like the DeMarcus Lawrence that, you know, I, I've been loving on, been watching play. And so I figured for how good of a performance he did, especially to be right there toe to toe with Micah Parsons and pressures. That's something special. Yeah. So it sounds like we all have the same guy, number one, and it's the guy who, <laughs> who you guys can see, but the podcast audience can't is, is a uh, behind my shoulder here on the wall. Uh, Micah Parsons. He's, he's incredible, dude. I can go on for 30 minutes. I could have done this whole call. just talk about how great that dude is. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can confidently say that he's the best Cowboys player I've ever seen. And I know I'm, I'm like the younger one in the blogging the boys family, but dude, he's, he's just absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to go as far to say this too. Maybe the, maybe the rec or like the, the stats won't say this yet. Cause he hasn't been in the league long enough. I think he's the best defensive player in the history of the Cowboys. I think that he is that talented Ooh. and he's that, he's that dynamic. Wow, and, I, and we've had a lot of great defenders come in, and I'm just saying that purely from like a like a gift standpoint, like like an athletics, you know, like you know, like his like his talent, because obviously it's not 
it's not proven yet with the accolades and everything. But this guy's phenomenal. I think, I mean, he's coming for that defensive player of the year spot this year. And if he continues doing this, he he's going to get there. He looks better this year than he did the previous two years. He looks faster. He looks more precise in his, in, in his pass rush moves. And it doesn't matter where you line him up. It's insane. Like, if you line him up on the edge, he's going to run by the tackle or run straight through him. If you line him up over the uh, center, he's going to get by him. Like, it doesn't matter. And, and half these times, he's getting held, too. And that's been the story of his career at this point is he's missed holding calls. He gets bear hugged almost every single time in the backfield. And and they're just like, oh, it's Michael Parsons. It's, it, you know, like, it's okay. It's whatever. It's kind of the Shaq effect. Do you know how many more free throws Shaq should have taken in the NBA? But they were just like, whatever. He's so big and imposing. Like, you know, like we have to give the defender some kind of leeway. It's, it's not fair that people can just break the rules against Micah. And it's okay because Micah is that good. I'm glad that they finally did call a holding penalty. And it did occur, but it's like so rare at this point. He's so good. And and it's not just his pass rushing, everything. Like, you know, he was able to uh um have an impact in the run game. You saw that pretty early on. He stopped Brees Hall in the backfield. And his just speed and his and just his hustle and his effort, like his ability to not give up on a play, like on that uh, play with uh, Dalvin Cook, where he stripped the ball from him and um, almost had another, you know, touchdown where he just took it and just and just ran it all the way back, which I love. By the way, I love seeing him run all the way to the end zone. He just there's so much excitement. I feel like you can see it like through his helmet how excited he is to try and score, and and yeah, it's just his effort. He's just constantly going and going and going. I'm sure if it was up to him, he would play full speed every single play of every single game, including preseason. That's how much he just wants to have an impact on the field. And if the Cowboys had 11 Micah Parsons, it would just be phenomenal. But unfortunately, he's the only one guy. And honestly, it's it's gotten to this point too. I said this actually heading into the season, and it's it's even more uh, it's even more evident now, in my opinion. I think he's the best player in the NFL not named Patrick Mahomes. Like if you look around the entire NFL, I'm not trading I'm not trading Micah Parsons for a single other player. And it's not even based off need. It's not based off the fact that we already have Dak. If I'm starting a franchise right now, let's say the whole league just redrafts, you know, you know, like it's Madden or something. I'm not drafting any other player other than Patrick Mahomes above Michael Parsons. He's that good. And I think that he's going to get defensive player of the year. And I think he's going to get Super Bowl MVP by the time the season is over. That's how dominant he is. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he's we we have to do whatever we can to keep him in Dallas for the rest of his career. Pay him 40 million a year. I don't care what you do. Make him the highest paid player in NFL history for all I care. That that's not a quarterback because you can't pay him quarterback numbers. But well, just, you, you, you say you know, that, but I wonder yeah. how you'll change your mind once Dak hits his 5K this year. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, exactly. listen, that's a fair point. Dak, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if Dak, if, you know, if Dak has the year that Brandon ha- or is uh, saying he's going to have, then the Cowboys are in a tough bind when it comes to their money because because it's going to be can't pay everybody guys i know i know i know but you're but hey but listen if we're if we're making a choice between any player and micah parsons i'm picking micah parsons 10 times out of 10 he's phenomenal i'm I sorry agree I did, with you. yeah yeah i just said all the biggest praise possible for him so you guys can't really top what i just said about him but but i would love to hear your guys' thoughts of on I, how fantastic this dude i'll is. jump on that bandwagon man i do you know here's the thing you didn't mention one particular player maybe 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 i hit i, I know i'm sitting there you know I'm, I'm looking at my notes here and i'm sitting there reading stuff you didn't mention uh the the lawrence taylor comparison so i, I oh I, yeah no 100 he, yeah, he, he he is he is he's right on the line with lawrence taylor. i didn't get to 
you know, I didn't get to watch Lawrence Taylor. I'm not uh, quite that uh, long in the team. I'm not yet, that old but... either. All right. I, I might be the elder statesman of this, of this group, you know, even with B2 here. But I will tell you this, like, and I, I know we have, you know, you know, the rest of our Blog and the Boys crew. I, I won't name uh, some of our elder statesmen. They know who they are uh, in the Blog and the Boys universe. But they may argue with uh, Bob Lilly, Randy White, uh, Demarcus, Demarcus Ware, Ed Tutal Jones, just to name a few. But here's the thing. You, and you brought it back the right way because from an athletic perspective, I think he surpasses all of them. But I will tell you, you know, I, I can't. I, I can't, you know, not name Lily White, Ware, and Jones. I just can't do it. Like, those guys are so good. And, I, you know, and, and 94 for me, Demarcus Lawrence has been, you know, he was, you know, and I said this on the writer's block as a guest last year. You know, he was my favorite cowboy. Like, I, I absolutely love Demarcus Ware. But I, if you have to start a franchise, I'm okay with it. And, and honestly, I'm going to stamp this. I love Patrick Mahomes, but give me Micah freaking Parsons at number one. <laughs> I'm going a step ahead. Micah Parsons, I don't care who, I don't care who it is. You know, I, I loved him when I watched him at Penn State. Fun fact, my wife is a big Penn State fan. So I, I got to watch Micah Parsons play some good ball, you know, with the Nittany Lions in college. That kid, when he came out and the Cowboys got him, I was like, oh, baby, let's go. Like, I, I'm, I, was, I knew how good he was going to be. So to me, Micah Parsons is that dude. And in everything you said, you know, yes, you are the young pup, you know, of, of the group. But I've watched, you know, I've been around a long time. You know, I've been, I've been not as long as some of the other guys at Blogging the Boys, but I've been around long enough. And I remember, you know, the 90s Cowboys. And then there were some great players on there. There, Micah Parsons is a once-in-a-generation once talent. You can't let him go. Literally, there will be mutiny if, if Jerry Jones does not re-sign him to the whatever. He should just get a lifetime deal. Mm-hmm. Let him be a Cowboy for life. Like, he can't go anywhere else. And by the way, that whole, that whole touchdown that he didn't have, he was, he, you can see it. He, you, you, I agree with you guys. He was so happy. I mean, he, he could play any position on the field and be good at it. That's just, that's the type of player Micah Parsons is. And I know we're giving him a lot of love. Obviously he's my number one so far. If I tally this up, I think if B, if B2 was here as well, I think Micah Parsons would be his number one once again, because we did that last week. We're going to have a trend this year. Micah Parsons is leading the way. He's probably going to be our number one cowboy. I think that's kind of obvious fellas. Yeah, and like not to you know like interrupt um, David, you know, explaining about him. But I have to say, like when whenever he was coming into the league, I on my uh, Cowboys page, Dallas Cowboys squad, give it a follow if you want. I'm almost at 90k. We're we're uh, close to that 100k mark. I'm very excited about that. However, I do these prospect posts and I kind of go into these players who I believe you know could be a good fit for the Cowboys. And I brought up uh, Micah Parsons when we had the number nine pick at the time before trading back. And people were like, oh, that's so early for a linebacker. And, and, you know, fair. I mean, like we had several people in our blog in the boys universe who agreed with that. And I did my pro comp for him. At the time, he was more of a linebacker. He wasn't really showing that edge rusher, you know, play style. So I had him compared to Luke Keekley with just the size and just his his ability to, you know, go across the field and, and like the range and everything. And at this point, if he ends up having the career Luke Keekley had, that's almost a bust at this point. Like, you know, he's, he's that good. And it's crazy because I remember getting comments like, you're comparing this dude to Luke Keekley. That's insane. And I should have been comparing him to Lawrence Taylor because he's, he's that good. It's, 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 it's incredible. I, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of him and I'm going to let David have a turn to, to, yeah, you know, I would have loved to see the comments if you did compare him to Lawrence yeah. Taylor coming out of college because <laughs> 
like you didn't play that even, way. Even Roasted. the people who were who were like mm-hmm. loving the Micah Parsons pick or loved him mm-hmm. coming out of Penn State, even the most like ambitious Micah Parsons fan did not know he was going to be this. Mm-hmm. And like there, there just was no way to know because he's just taken such a huge leap. If you remember, you know, he he sat out his senior year, uh, you know, during uh, COVID and he just trained for the NFL. And so like literally when he got to the NFL, it had been a whole year since we actually saw him play. And he had just, you know, transformed his body, transformed who he was as a player in such a way that, like, unless you were the Cowboys and you were there, like, going through with him and his, at his pro day or, like, private workouts, like, you didn't know just how good a player you were going to get. And he's been that and everything more. Like, you guys already stole my thunder again. You did it again. There's nothing else I can say. Micah Parsons is, you know, he's just unreal. There's, there's no other way to really describe it. And I would... I would be shocked, truly shocked, if we get any game this year where he's not number one for all of us on our list. Um, and truly, we could go on and on, back and forth, talking about Micah Parsons, how good he is. Real quick to interrupt you. I want you to be the tiebreaker here because I said I wouldn't take him over Mahomes. Brandon said he would take him over Mahomes. Would you, if Dallas Cowboys, let's say, let's say we didn't have Dak already on the team, there's no other thing. If the Cowboys are given the number one pick in a redraft of the NFL. Are you picking Patrick Mahomes or are you picking Michael Parsons? You know, I, I would agonize over it, but I think mm-hmm. ultimately I'm going Mahomes just because mm-hmm. quarterbacks win you the game. Like Micah mm-hmm. Parsons is the closest you can get to a defender that could win you the game. But at the same time, you can't win unless you score points. And Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. scores much respect to Micah, but Mahomes scores a whole lot more points than Micah does so far. Yeah. We'll, see. we'll see if that changes going hey, forward. But really really wanna... quick, really quick, though, yeah. really quick. I'm just going to rebuttal this real quick. Micah Parsons, as I, men- as I mentioned a few minutes ago, he could play anywhere on the field. So, like, I don't think Patrick Mahomes could play everywhere on the field. So, Micah, if you want if, if, I think he could do everything. That's just <laughs> – he, he could do anything. I, I think – I think he could kick field goals in emergencies. Like that's that's how good Micah Parsons is. He's just a he's an a, an athlete, like an elite athlete where not too many people are on his level. I think he could if he wanted to play running back, tight end, receiver, he could score points everywhere. I that's like, I would like to see him be the emergency running back in a situation be- goal line running back. Listen, put him at the one yard if, line. If Micah Parsons him. comes in at any point this year on offense. And he scores a touchdown, whether it's running, receiving, even if it's throwing a touchdown pass, then I'll change my mind. But until I see him actually get on offense and be able to do what what Mahomes can do, even at any level, I still got to go with Mahomes. But also, luckily, that's a choice that the Cowboys don't have to make because they have Micah Parsons and they have a pretty darn good quarterback of their own. And they're going to be taking both of those guys and a lot more to Phoenix next week to play the Cardinals. And you know, some of our other shows later this week, we'll get more into that matchup, but I do just want to kind of go around real quick and, and, you know, maybe list something, one thing that you're really looking forward to, obviously the Cowboys opened up as I think 12 and a half point favorites, which kind of looks like a, a college game at this point. We know the Cardinals, they're 0 and 2 and a lot of, a lot of people think they're kind of tanking. So going into that matchup, what is one thing that you're kind of looking for in this game heading off to the Cardinals? I would say that one thing I'm looking forward to I just think the most important thing is to stay healthy because that's a game that you don't want to come into and lose a couple key players really for no reason. I mean, this is a game that hopefully if the Cowboys come in and they're on the same rhythm that they've been or that they've been on, 
they can kind of put it away in the first half, hopefully go into the halftime with a good three-possession lead and then kind of rest their players the second half. So, honestly, if I'm a Cowboys uh, fantasy owner, if I got one of those players on my team, I would consider actually not playing them because I don't think that that um, you're going to see them the entire game. Hopefully that's the case. Um, yeah, no, I really just want a clean game. I, I want us to not hurt ourselves and make it closer than it is because – if they just stay disciplined, don't have penalties, and just play their football that they've been playing, this this game shouldn't be close. Because the Cardinals are tanking right now for Caleb Williams, and all their moves all their moves suggest that. I mean, Josh Dobbs is their quarterback right now. There's like this this defense should have fun. The only the only the only Cowboys player who I would start in fantasy is their defense and I have them and they've been absolutely phenomenal for me carrying me to a two and zero record. And hopefully by the end of that game, they will be at a three and zero record. I'm just, you know, speaking of that fantasy point, you just brought up, there is one guy that I'm looking at. If I, if I had him on my, you know, on my team this week, which I don't, unfortunately, you know, some people reached a little bit further than I would for, uh, for Tony Pollard. I think he breaks a hundred yards rushing for the first time this season. I get it's the week three. I get, I get it. The opponent is who it is. I think he rushes for over 100 yards. I think he gets at least one touchdown. And, and, and for all you fantasy lovers out there, I think he has a really good game, and I think he's going to be a good a good running back start this week. So, Chris, I, I have to say, besides the obvious, which is the Cowboys mm-hmm. defense, I do think Tony Pollard is the guy you want to keep an eye out for. That's the storyline that I'm looking at because, you know, so far this year he's had 70 yards uh, against the Giants, 72 against against the Jets. So, you know, he hasn't he hasn't come that close to the 100-yard mark. I think he surpasses that. And, and I'm just going to put a bold prediction out there. I think he, you know, maybe it's not too bold, but 140 yards, I think is, is a, is what I think he rushes for about a buck 40 uh, this week. That would be really cool if that happens. And if it does, you're going to, I'm sure be bragging about it on the next episode here. Uh, one thing I'm kind of looking forward to is, is kind of seeing how this team comes out. If, if they come out and, and, you know, are just lights out from the beginning, like they have been the last two weeks because it's the Cardinals, because it's, Nobody really expects a whole lot from this team. Keep in mind now, the Cardinals have played really close games each of the last two weeks. Granted, it was the Commanders in week one. We don't really know how good they're going to end up being. And the Giants, who we know the Cowboys just absolutely trashed on in week one. But I, I do think it's kind of funny because the last time these two teams played, the Cardinals were obviously a lot better. And it was kind of built as this, you know, Cowboys have to prove themselves by being a good team in the Cardinals. And they did not do that. And they, you know, kind of got beat pretty bad. You're also talking about, you know, Jonathan Gannon as their head coach. He was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles. And, you know, he, he kind of, you know, had a rough night for Cooper Rush last year when they played in the first game. Um, obviously the second game, the Eagles were playing without Jalen Hurts. So, you know, they're, they're, they're having a reunion with Gannon. They're, they haven't played the Cardinals since that, that last loss. And I want to see if they kind of come out with this revenge mentality, even though, you know, they're, they're heavy favorites if they can come out and just be locked in from the beginning and just do what they've done the last two weeks. And that'll really, I think, tell me a lot about this team's mindset going forward. And of course, you know, the, the number one thing is you want to see them come out with a win, get to three, and know, but uh, with, with that said, you know, we're, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, let's real quick, go around and just kind of tell everybody where the people can find you, where they can uh, hear your work, read your work, wh- whatever it may be. And, and, whether it's on X or um, what, what's the other one, Threads, <laughs> if that's still a thing. Threads. Chris, where can we find you? 
Dude, I want Threads to be popular so bad because I have a way bigger following on Threads than I do on X just because my Instagram, you know, has that feature where like everyone is like automatically following like everyone who they follow on Instagram. So I have like 8,000 followers on Threads and I only have 600, like 98 followers on Twitter. So I want you guys to go out, push a narrative, follow Chris Halling underscore. That's H-A-L-L-I-N-G. Go ahead, you know, you know, you know, get me to that 1K mark. Okay, I know I'm I'm not quite as active on there as I am on my Instagram, Dallas Cowboys Squad. Post every day on there, but you know I you know I do want to be a little bit more active on Twitter or X. We, we have to start saying X whether we like it or not because Twitter is not a thing anymore. Elon has killed that, but that's another you know conversation <laughs> for another time. I don't want to start beef with Elon Musk from blogging the boys. However, with that said, I am very happy to be a part of this great team and so excited for the you know opportunity to be on this podcast with these fine gentlemen and you know you know you can follow me again chris holling underscore on on x or dallas cowboy squad on instagram and if you want to follow me on my personal on instagram as well you can follow me chris holling underscore on there as well so you know just you know just spread the love and and yeah um go cowboys Absolutely. Hey, I, I second everything you said. I think uh, I, I think I think Hallman will agree when he when he when when it gets back around to him. You know, we you know, we have a great crew here. The writers block, you know, B one's or B2. I'm B1, but B2 is not uh, with us this week. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a great crew. I, you know, I enjoy talking, you know, talking ball with you guys every single week. And, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm not as big of a social media guy. So, I'm, you know, I'm working through that myself. You know, I, I get a lot of uh, a lot of flack from a lot of my buddies because they're like, they're like, dude, you're not on X all the time. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a dad. I got girls. I'm, you know, I'm a girl dad times two. So my, you know, that's pretty much where my time is right now, you know, aside from watching the game. So, you know, when I, I do talk a lot during the games, so you can find me at icebreaker 21 on X. There you go. I'm not saying the other one. It's on X. So if you, if you want to follow me, please give me a follow actually. Cause I'm trying to build it up as well. I got, I, I got a smaller following than you, Chris. So I got, I got some work to do. But that's kind of my own thing because, you know, I, during the, during the off season, I kind of lay back a little bit. So I'll, you know, I'll, you'll start, you'll start seeing me pick up some more steam as the season goes on. So at icebreaker 21 on X and uh, you know, I will tell you this, a quick, uh, quick little funny story. Hallman and I had a nice little back and forth uh, this past week on X so much, much love to Hallman. We, you know, we, we, we look at the game sometimes a little differently, but he, you know, Hallman's one of the best in the business. And uh, you know, I, I love the, I love the fun back and forth. So make sure if you have if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, BTB Universe, just go check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. We're just you know, Hamlin and I we don't take it that seriously. We're just having a good time. So you know, I appreciate all the back and forth with you, Chris. Same thing. You know, I you know, and and, and Lori, same thing. I, you know, I love talking to you guys and talking ball. So at Icebreaker 21 that's on the, X. That's the best part. I think about us all being on the same podcast because if we all thought the same, it'd be such a boring podcast. It'd Chris. be like. I mean, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, five, all the same player, four, all the same player, three, all the same player and so on. So it's good that we all view it a little differently. And, you know, know, it would just be boring. It would be I mean, like, imagine if first take and undisputed just had the same the same, you know, you know, views on everything. You wouldn't get the great entertainment. So and you wouldn't get the same, you know, and um, you wouldn't get the even better entertainment here on this podcast. So exactly. (laughs) And, And even when we do agree on Micah Parsons being our number one guy, we still disagree on. Parsons versus Mahomes. Yes. So there, there's always, you know, you always get something out of this. And, and that's what I love about the, the whole team here at the writer's block and everybody else in, in the blogging, the boys world. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to get to call on an X. Um, 
can't teach an old dog new tricks, you can find me on Twitter at underscore dh44 underscore and usually tweeting a lot um definitely during the games good bit during the week and uh you'll have my thoughts there and you'll see me fighting tooth and nail with with b1 and going back and forth on that all in good fun um, yes. love all my co-hosts and uh and in honor of brandon laurie who's not here tonight you can also find him on twitter at brandon is right that's w-r-i-t-e so go ahead and follow each of us. And with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. And as always, go Cowboys.